Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, we're all in take five. Hook him up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Oh, man. Horn text line lit up with the uh, conversation about the British show Naked Attraction, Rod. <laughs> I love that Texas OU week. Got Cowboys San Fran coming up this weekend. Trying to break it all down. And the story that captivates the text line is the uh, Naked, what is it called? Naked Attraction Show. Yeah, buddy, our good friend of mine texted and said, I just got home from England a few weeks ago. Watch that show. It's like a train wreck. You can't quit watching. <laughs> Uh, oh, you know this what? This guy's revealed in three sections: genitals down, trunk, face, men and women. Um. Oh, so three sections? Okay. So they don't go like body part by body part. Go like just so region three by sections, region. I guess. I like that. Okay. Okay. I'm cool with that. Yeah, I'm cool with that. I'm, I'm gonna check it out, you guys. I will give you a blackbuster review coming up later on. My wifey needs something to watch while she. You know, just sits at home, becomes a milkmaid. So, <laughs> That's right. That's boom. right. It's a perfect, perfect program. I'll come home. She'll give me all Rod's, the uh, Rod's baby girl is uh, a week old today. Oh, uh, yeah. Last night. We, we go, man. I yeah, know. It's crazy. Uh, but she's uh, That'll be your life for the next. Because, you, you know, you, 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 you age her in weeks now for the next. Oh, man. And now, you know what? It wasn't that long. Year, it, went, so. it went by pretty fast, though. It went by pretty fast. And she's doing great still. She's doing so. great, man. Mama's a rock star. I'm just. I'm a hype man. I'm just. You're the corner man. I'm just get, exactly, getting Need up hyping. Need Let's some go. water. I'm, I'm Jason Garrett. I'm getting up clapping tonight. There we go. Good job. Good job there. The clapper. <laughs> yeah. That's all I can. I'm just trying to do tell whatever I can. Tell her she looks pretty. You Change know? diapers. Yep. Tell her she looks. I told her yesterday. I said, you look great. You look you're fantastic. Glowing. You're I said, glowing. you're small. I like, you, look, you look tiny. Yeah. But I think because the boobs are bigger. But still, you look yeah. tiny. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Naked attraction. Hey, can we get to the headlines? And we're going to talk to Taylor McCarg, uh, former Rice quarterback, who uh, has watched, seen this Oklahoma team up close. And he does great, great analysis right now for CBS. We'll talk to him about his thoughts on Texas-Oklahoma. Let's get to the headlines, though. Trending topics, and then we'll talk to Taylor. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring you the news, and it starts with the Longhorns. A couple of accolades yesterday for a pair of Longhorns. Um, Jonathan Brooks named the Big 12's Offensive Player of the Week for his performance against Kansas on Saturday. First time he's won that award. 218 yards, two touchdowns, and the 40-14 win. He leads the Big 12, by the way, in rushing yards, nearly 600 on the year. A.D. Mitchell, for the second time this year, was named the newcomer of the conference uh, by the Big 12. Caught 10 passes for 141 yards and a touchdown. On the injury front for the Longhorns, both J.T. Sanders and Ryan Watts listed as day-to-day with those injuries. Of course, they both left the contest against Kansas on Saturday with lower leg injuries. They'll receive treatment throughout the week. Coach Sark said he'd probably have a better idea for their availability after practice Thursday. Uh, NFL breakout performance on Monday Night Football for the Seattle Seahawks defense last night or just another dreadful performance by the New York Giants offense. You can decide. Seattle pummeled the Giants 
24 to 3. They sacked Giants quarterback Daniel Jones 11 times. Two of those from their rookie cornerback Devon Weatherspoon. Uh, two sacks, and then he had the, the fifth overall pick in last April's draft. Returned an interception, 97 yards for a touchdown to seal the deal in the third quarter. There, Seattle improves a 3-1. Giants are off to a 1-3 start. Dallas Cowboys are off to a 3-1 start as well. They had that big bounce-back win against the Patriots on Sunday. They're facing a measuring stick game this Sunday afternoon when they face unbeaten San Francisco in, in San Fran. Several Dallas starters nursing injuries. Uh, All-pro Micah Parsons and Zach Martin, both of them dealing with late and a knee ankle injuries. Uh, both expected to, to play and practice, but uh, with their availability still in doubt. But how about Tyron Smith, the left tackle? Uh, he's According to Mike McCarthy, doing much better. He's missed the last two games with a knee injury. Major League Baseball playoffs begin today. Quadruple header. All the series begin, including the Rangers. They're in Tampa this afternoon. 2:08 first pitch. It's uh, Jordan Montgomery for the Rangers. Taylor Glass now for the uh, for the Rays. Game one. You'll hear it right here on the Horn. 1:30 the pregame. 2:08 the first pitch. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Halloween here is scarier than an OU cheerleader without makeup. But nothing scarier than missing out on employee pricing on all our zero-turn mowers this month. Top Gun. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. I'm excited to talk to Taylor. Yeah, we'll get some mows. Broken down this, seen this Oklahoma team in person, broken them down. Yeah, Taylor called the uh, SMU Oklahoma game, which was probably the Mm -hmm. toughest test that they've faced so far this year. As I mentioned, if you look at the uh, D1 rankings, uh, they're the highest ranked. Uh, SMU is ranked 51st in the country right now. Iowa State below that, Cincinnati below that, and Tulsa and Arkansas State. Uh, their schedule so far are way down in the 100s. All right, let's go to the uh, Vaqueros hotline. And uh, this is a good friend of our show. We, we talked with him back when the uh, season began, and Texas played Rice to open the season. He is the former quarterback at Rice, also high school football quarterback in this area. Vista Ridge was where he started in high school. He's now doing great work with uh, CBS Sports as an analyst. Uh, games every single week. Taylor McCarg is with us. Kay- Taylor, how are you, bud? Good. How are you guys doing? doing Great. Thanks doing. for joining us, brother. Hey, what's your game this week? I have got FAU, uh, Tom Herman, down with the, with the Owls. I've got them in Tulsa on Saturday. Nice. How are you enjoying the, uh, the, the analyst role in the booth? I know you've been doing it a little while now. Uh, one of the rising stars in that industry. Are you enjoying doing that? Yeah, it's fun. I mean, this is uh, I've got a couple different things going on, and, and this week actually is is a little bit crazy because we get uh, Conference USA's added some midweek games to try and get on some linear cable games. So I actually go from from Florida to uh, Nashville to do Middle Tennessee on Tuesday night, which will be a little bit different. Uh, but it's a busy time of year, so it's it's a it's a lot of fun though. All right, Taylor, let's uh, talk a little bit about Oklahoma. Uh, we, we're ready to get the deep dive going. We know how good Texas is right now. We've, we've obviously had the microscope and the magnifying glass on the Longhorns through five victories, five double-digit wins, a couple of ranked victories. And we, I want your thoughts on what you've seen from Texas. But you got to see Oklahoma up close when you called their game with SMU earlier this year. You got to talk to the coaches and players. What was your overall impression of the Sooners uh, that night, and what have you seen from them so far? Yeah, well, the first thing is from last year to now, team speed is completely different. I thought that was when you watch tape back from them in 2022 versus what we've seen from them to this point in the season. They did a really nice job with roster overhaul and getting speed, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And that, to me, the quote from Butch Jones, Arkansas State's not a very good football team, but the quote from Butch Jones after they lost, I believe it was like 77 to nothing, Butch Jones says, we knew they were going to be fast. We had no idea they would be that fast. And that, to me, stood out against 
SMU as well, where especially on the defensive side of the ball, at the linebacker spot, on the back end and the secondary, they look like a completely different team from the year before. Now, that being said, I think that's what we're going to talk about today is their schedule to this point in the season looks a lot different than what Texas has played. They have not really been challenged yet, and the one week that I felt like they were challenged was against SMU. That game was 14-11 to going into the fourth quarter, and you fast forward to this past week, the Iowa State team that they just played – I think that may be the worst team in the Big 12 with all the stuff that they're dealing with with the gambling scandal. It's either them or Houston that's at the bottom of the Big 12. So, again, I just don't think Oklahoma's really been tested yet. I thought SMU did a couple things that uh, challenged them some in a way that you haven't really seen before. But if you just measure the first few weeks of the season for what Texas has had to face versus Oklahoma, it looks a lot different. And that's interesting, Taylor, because uh, and I, I agree. I think there have been a lot of improvements on the defensive side of the ball. They just haven't been tested. One of the things I'm worried about for Texas in this matchup is that Texas defense has played really well at a high level, but they haven't been tested by a real good quarterback. And Dylan Gabriel's a good quarterback. Give me your thoughts. I know you uh, did your uh, breakdown analysis of Oklahoma. Give me your thoughts about what Dylan Gabriel has meant to the program and his play at the quarterback position for them. Yeah, Dylan's played well. My only thing for Dylan Gabriel that I want to see against Texas, I don't think he's really had much pressure on him to this point in the season. Hmm. Oklahoma's offensive line, they've done a nice job of keeping him protected. Now, what Oklahoma likes to do, if they know they're taking downfield shot plays, they will leave a tight end in, they'll go max protection, they'll block seven, and they'll just have three and sometimes just two in the route combination where they make it real simple. You've got one, maybe two reads, and they're going to give him all the time in the world. And against Texas, I think you should absolutely expect that because this will be, again, by far the best front that they would have faced. So that's going to be the challenge is it is really hard against this Texas defense to put together 10 to 12 play drives and slowly chip away at this Texas defense. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that's a realistic expectation. This Oklahoma offense is going to have to hit some of those chunk plays and those shot plays. And to this point in the season, they haven't, the Texas defense has not given up very many of those. Dylan Gabriel in this offense, they will have to hit some of those over the top. And Andre Anthony, top receiver for them, the, the Michigan transfer, he's really been the explosive target that they like to get to. But again, I would expect that the, the max protection and you'll see it get an extra tight end in the game or, they detach the tight end just off to the side. That's where they like to, especially around midfield, take those, try and take one over the top and, and leave seven guys in there to try and give try and give Dylan Gabriel as much time as they can. Yeah, it's interesting you said that. Taylor McCarg is with us. And, uh, you know, when we did our preseason preview of Oklahoma, we talked to our insiders from Norman, and they, they were worried about the weaponry and who were going to be the guys to throw the ball to. And, um, you know, Andrell Anthony has been a big, uh, big get for them. They got him through the portal. From Michigan, and I watched a lot of that Cincinnati game, and it felt like any time they needed a big throw, needed a big third down, uh, they went to Anthony. He's 6'1", he's almost 200 pounds, a good route runner. Uh, what did you see from the weapons on the outside? Is it, from the quarterback's perspective, you have, outside of Anthony, who else is uh, is important to them in their passing game? Yeah, Jaleel Farouk, he's another guy that they like to target. Uh, he does a good job 
Um, he, he's the guy that they really, in their mind, was going to replace Marvin Mims as the primary receiver. Now that's become Andrell Anthony, but Farouk is really a number two, a good number two behind that. Drake Stoops, uh, he was also, you know, when we had them against SMU, he was a guy that they, they got targets to pretty early in the game. I had a presence on special teams as well. But this is not – I mean, you look around at the top wide receiver cores in college football. Think about like a Washington that may have three guys that get drafted. That's not what OU has. You're not going to see a wide receiver core and a running back room that has a bunch of guys that are going to be playing in the NFL. They're solid, and the team speed, like I mentioned, it is much improved. But – there's not a bunch of NFL guys running around at the wide receiver spot. So again, to me, the battle that I'm really watching and watching for in this game, and I think is going to be telltale sign for whether or not Oklahoma really has success is can they protect Dylan Gabriel? If, if UT is able to get pressure with four and maybe just a fifth blitzer, it's going to be a long night for Oklahoma. But if Oklahoma, if they can protect and they can give Dylan Gabriel time, that, to me, is going to be the most critical piece of this whole game because, again, they, there has not been a defense that OU's played that has been able to get after Dylan Gabriel to this point in the season. Hey, Taylor, I want to talk about the lines of scrimmage because I think Texas, you just talked, we talked about the defensive line. Uh, even on the offensive line, Texas has the biggest O-line in all of the Big 12, and Texas likes to play bully ball every now and then. How do you think Oklahoma's going to hold up lines of scrimmage, offense and defense against Texas? Yeah, I think that's one of the, the areas that I think OU probably has uh, one of their strengths is not just the front four with the defensive line, but the, the linebacking core for Oklahoma, they are solid. They, there's not a lot of mental errors. They don't get themselves out of position. You just don't see many times where running back pops through the first level and all of a sudden they're out the gate for another 25, 30 yards. They are a good, solid, top-down, all three levels defense. Danny Stutzman right in the middle, number 28 at linebacker, really physical, flies around all over the field. And they're, they're just – I mean, it's a Brent Venables defense. Go back to who they are and who they want to be. Think about those defenses for Clemson when they were winning national championships and they were getting to the playoff every year led by Brent Venables. And, and obviously before that when he was at OU with Stoops, they're going to play well. They're going to line up. You're not going to get a ton of mental busts. And I think that's going to be the area where Texas on offense, same thing, go back to the win against Alabama. It took those shot plays over the top that they missed against Rice. I remember coming on and talking with you guys about that, where they did not look great against Rice. And then Quinn Ewers cleaned that up against Alabama, hit a couple of the home run balls for touchdowns. They're going to need that against Oklahoma as well. Because just like I said, Oklahoma does not want to have 10 and 12 play drives over and over against this Texas defense. Well, Oklahoma is going to do a good job of trying to chew up clock, limit possessions for Texas. Texas is going to have to hit some explosives over the top. Taylor McCarg, uh, good stuff right there. I know uh, last time we visited, you talked about you married a, a Longhorn fan, so you're, you've been watching this team closely. Obviously very impressive. There are some arguing Texas uh, could be the number one team in the country uh, with their five wins, two overranked teams, all double-digit victories. What have, uh, what have you been impressed with with Texas, and what concerns you for Texas in this matchup with the Sooners? Well, I think what concerns me is just that OU hasn't really been tested yet, and that could go one of two directions. Uh, but because they haven't really been tested, what have they been able to not put on tape? What have they been able to hide mm-hmm. in terms of their schemes or 
shot plays or gimmick plays, just things that when you get to week six of the season and you haven't really been tested, you're able as an offensive staff really to hide a lot of your, your weapons. Um, but for Texas on the other side, I mean, there, there's a reason that Vegas has them as the top – the odds favor them to make the Final Four and make the playoff. And I think that's it's there for a reason. And for Texas, I mean, from a resume perspective, if they beat Oklahoma – they should probably be the number one team in the country. Now, I don't know if they're going to jump Michigan. I don't know if they're going to jump uh, Georgia just because Georgia hasn't lost yet. But from a resume basis, again, you've got a win, a win at Alabama and then a win over a top 15 Oklahoma team. From a resume basis, they should be the number one team in the country. I don't know if that will happen. Uh, but it has been fun to follow them. Look, I, I live in Austin. Like you just mentioned, I'm married to a Longhorn. I think, the city is better when, when Texas is good. I pull for Texas as long as they're not playing my Rice Owls. Uh, so, look, it's, it's obviously been a ton of fun to follow through the, the first part of the season. Um, I do think they win this game. I think they beat Oklahoma. The only way that doesn't happen, turnovers from Quinn Ewers. I think that's probably the only way where you, you give OU a couple extra possessions. But if you, line the, if you line this up and both sides played clean, no turnovers, similar time of possession. Texas is the better team. They've got more top-down speed, top-down talent. Uh, I think, again, it's a rivalry game. We all know some of the times where one side in this game is favored over the other. Uh, upsets happen all the time in this in this matchup. But, again, I do think Texas probably wins this game. I think it's probably closer to a two-score win. But, again, if it doesn't happen that way, it's, it's likely because of turnovers for Texas. Taylor McCarg. Last thing I have for you is that Oklahoma, the running back, you know, whoever runs the ball in this game typically wins. Texas has a guy in Jonathan Brooks who leads the uh, the conference in, in rushing yards and is coming off a great game, a couple of great games in a row. What about OU? Who stands out? I mean, Marcus Major is the name, but he's under four yards of carry for the season against the, the schedule they've played. Only guy over five yards of carry is Tywee Walker out of the Vegas kid. Which one of these running backs do you think has a chance to, to carry the mail for them on Saturday? Yeah, I don't think Oklahoma, to use your phrase, carry the mail, they, they do not have a solidified starter per se. Now, Tywee Walker, like you mentioned, and Marcus Major, you've also got Javante Barnes. I mean, they will really, truly rotate these three guys and go with the hot hand. One of the things that stood out, I really was impressed by all three of these guys in pass protection, which is an underrated part of playing the running back spot, but they're well coached. But again, like I mentioned with the, the receivers on the outside, you don't have in this running back room, there's not a clear guy that you're like, this is the number one. This is going to be one of the top running backs in the country and an NFL running back. That's why you see it's kind of by committee, kind of with the hot hand. Uh, but again, I mean, Marcus Major, probably the best back in that room, but it's not by a wide margin. Taylor, awesome stuff, man. Appreciate you reaching out. Appreciate you, your perspective. That was good stuff. We're getting ready for Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, safe travels for you. Two games coming up over the next week, and uh, we'll check in again soon. Appreciate it, my friend. Thanks, Taylor. Awesome. Thanks, guys. There he goes. That's our first uh, deep dive. There it is. What you, what'd you get out of that? Uh, uh, I like what you said, though, about, and I bought this up, too, uh, yesterday. You know, They had been tested early, and he believes that it could be holding something back. You know, usually – uh, coaches, you know, at big time Power Five programs like Oklahoma, they can't afford to do that because they have a big time matchup early on in the season, whether it be a non-conference or big time conference opponent early. They haven't had that. They have not. So there is a there's a good chance that they've been keeping some of their uh, exotics to themselves, and they're going to break them out versus Texas. Well, we know they will defensively and offensively. I like what he said about that. And 
uh, that linebacking core, I agree with them. That linebacking core is probably their strength. And hell, it might be the strength, not just defensively, on the team. They got the two really good linebackers. You brought that up earlier. Yeah, Stutzman. Stutzman's and, uh, a good one. Kanak, the kid, Kanak, K-A-N-A-K. Yeah. Just one of those heady guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Neck roll kind of dude. He's going to be all over the ball. <laughs> yep. I like him. Uh, okay, so uh, there you go. Team speed improved. Still not a really a bell cow running back. Uh, pretty good receivers. And as Rod said last hour in his rant, I mean, who would you trade if you're Texas? Who on Texas' roster would you trade from Oklahoma? Not many. Texas has the better roster. Mm-hmm. I think he said it right. Uh, some exotic plays that maybe they've kept under wraps, and then, you know, Quinn Ewers all of a sudden starts becoming a turnover guy, which he has not been. He's thrown one pick all year long. Not really in his nature. Dylan Gabriel's only thrown two to this point. So he's a, he's a veteran quarter. Was it sixth year for him? Uh, but yeah. I, I, well, I agree with, with Taylor. If Texas can stunt this running game, because none of those running backs are really scary, right? D- Jonathan Brooks' emergence has given Texas an absolute advantage in the run game. The offensive line's really good, uh, even against this but improved OUD. All right, we have all week to drill down, but we look forward to doing so. It's the 119th meeting of Texas and Oklahoma. Coming back, well, Steve Sarkeesian was asked yesterday, just heard Taylor McCarg talking about it, is Texas the number one team in the country? Sark was asked that. We'll get his answer coming up. Also, Rod behind the BOC. And off the record for the end of the hour on a Tuesday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Austin, Texas, Sports, The Horn. Tuesday on The Horn, appreciate Taylor McCarg. Good deep dive look at the Oklahoma Sooners. Improved, but... As good as Texas, we'll see. Yesterday at his uh, game week news conference on a Monday, Steve Sarkeesian was asked, uh, are you, as, as our buddy said, Golden, said Golden from the Statesman asked him, hey, you know, there's a debate going around. Are, should you guys be ranked number one in the country? Uh, he said, hey, Sark, are you, are you guys the best team? Should be you ranked number one? That's for you guys to answer. I don't, I, don't, I don't have a vote. I'm not in the coach's poll, so I don't have a vote. But some of you in this room do. Um, uh, <laughs> but anyhow, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, obviously, it's, it's, it's uh, flattering to some degree, the fact that the product that we're putting on the field uh, is one that, that people appreciate the, the way that we're playing. And I think our players have earned um, the respect of some of that that feel that way and and hopefully we can continue to do that um but there's a lot of football left this year you know we haven't even hit the halfway point and ultimately like i've said all along our goal is to be in arlington december 3rd and try to win a big 12 championship then whatever happens is supposed to happen but we if we don't do that everything else is irrelevant so it really i hate to say it doesn't really matter where we are today where are we at the end of the season when we have a total body of work? And so uh, as I told the team and before the season, and I tell them every week, the, the opinions of others doesn't matter. What we do does. And so we've got we've to go out every Saturday and, uh, and play a brand and a style of football that, that not only makes us proud as coaches, makes them proud to, that they're doing it, and makes Longhorn Nation proud that the way we play is a, is a brand and style of football that um, – 
is one that uh, you know we all appreciate because of the way our guys go about it. Right there, you go for you to decide. Mm-hmm. But all we can do is play, Rod. Yeah, that's what I said too. I mean, it's, I, I know Longhorn fans really are enjoying having the conversation, but for the team, and I'm coming at it from a player's perspective. At this point doesn't matter really because they've what they've done up to this point. They've put themselves in position to accomplish every one of their goals. Yeah, we're at the we're five games in, and they still all of their goals are still in front of them. Every last one of them. Not every team can say that because some teams want to go undefeated. <laughs> they still have that opportunity to go undefeated. Yeah. Um, so I think for this team, as long as they beat Oklahoma, and I'm glad that right now the Texas Oklahoma game has the gravitas. Right now, it has you know that 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 it has the magnitude, it has the hype that it deserves. Both teams coming in undefeated, and it'll it'll catapult. One of these teams, Texas, in my opinion, uh, into the national championship conversation, the college football playoff conversation. That's what it did in the early 2000s. That's what the Texas OU game was all about in the early 2000s when Texas and Oklahoma were going back and forth. And it was inevitable that whichever one of those teams could survive and advance <laughs> uh, this Texas OU game, they'd win a national title. Oklahoma did it, started in 2000. Um, 2001, hell, honestly, we should have played for one. So we fell short in the Big 12 title game. 2003, Texas was really good. In 2004, OU played for a national championship. 05, Texas won a national championship. 08, OU played for a national championship. And 2009, Texas played for a national championship. Shout out to my man CB because uh, he sent me that. But I'm just throwing it out there that the, I, hopefully this game is getting back. To where feels it, like it is to to that point. I think Texas is getting closer. It is amazing that we're having this conversation two years from after five and seven. And last year, five-loss team. And uh, it, it's come a long way for Sark, and I do think there's an argument. And it's funny, the argument's being had among the writers, right? I mean, what you hear is the guys with votes saying, defend your vote. I mean, how are you? This is based on facts. I mean, Texas has the best resume so far. Well, who cares? you got to go play games. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and you know, it's cool not to be so totally on Texas because they, they've You'd actually be disappointed. Yeah, they've disappointed. No program. All right, no program has underachieved more than the University of Texas over the last 12 to 13 years. If you go look at Vegas over under win totals, if you go if you're betting, right, the under on Texas uh, over under win totals, uh you would have hit I believe 12 out of 13 years. Because only one of those years they actually hit the over on the over under win totals and that was 2018. They won more games than expected. So, I understand there's some people that are not believers, they don't want to be on the bandwagon. Long one fans, it's okay to believe in this team because we're telling you, we do the research, and you guys, I wouldn't tell you to believe in the hype and drink the Kool-Aid if it was Flavor Aid. It's Kool-Aid. It's real. It's drink real. It. A lot of stuff. Drink it up, it. man. Lines yeah, of, drink it up. Lines of scrimmage, mm-hmm. physicality, talent. Oh, yeah. All right, we will uh, pick this up. Also, go off the record before the top of the hour. Some stories that uh, maybe you've missed that you need to know because your buddies will be talking about them. Uh, first, though, let's go behind the burn orange curtain. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What? Is behind that curtain. All right, before we talk uh, Texas, Oklahoma, uh, shout out to my man Cole. Did you come in playing? Was that like Coltrane? What was that you came in playing? Was that the, the last one? Just coming in yeah, from right now? Yeah, was that like Coltrane? That was, no, that was Mac Miller. Oh, he just used Coltrane. Yeah. He used to be. Okay, I was yeah. going to say. I was like, oh, I thought you came in playing some. El Diablo by Mac Miller. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Now, I like Mac Miller, though, but I didn't know. Okay. I, either way, I appreciate it. I think that's a nice little selection there. Okay. Getting back to Texas, Oklahoma. Um, and I didn't ask Taylor McCarg about this because the game that he did, it wasn't actually a big issue, but I, I should have asked him about the deep ball uh, for Oklahoma because Longhorn fans are concerned 
about Texas defending the deep ball versus Oklahoma, and they should be. Uh, Texas hasn't necessarily had any systemic weakness on defense, but one of the things that's had some a minimal success um, in multiple games versus the Texas defense would be the deep ball. Now, I guess you could extrapolate and say, well, Texas, they played backup quarterbacks for three straight games, <laughs> so they probably shouldn't be giving up deep balls uh, to anybody, and if they end up playing a really good quarterback, could that good quarterback exploit Texas on those vertical shots downfield? Jalen Miro had a really good deep ball. It was actually one of the best parts of his uh, skill set as a passer, and it was a nice deep ball drop. Placement was good, um, and it was a pretty deep ball, and he threw really well against Texas. Uh, Bama was 4 of 7 on passes 20 yards or more down the field, including a touchdown on one of those deep balls. And uh, Sawyer Robinson was an, a below-average quarterback, to say the least, to be nice. Uh, he actually had, he was 2 of 7 on those deep shots down the field. So Texas basically is allowing a third of their deep shots to be completed down the field, which is not terrible. That's not necessarily bad. And as I said, it's not a systemic issue, but the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams, Sass, Cardi B, Sass, Megan the Stallion, Sass, but is they haven't really faced a good quarterback yet. And Dylan Gabriel is a good quarterback. Uh, they always say that if you're a good quarterback, a decent quarterback, you're supposed to, at a distance, be able to hit a house. But some of them are, are really good. They can hit the door from a distance. And there are some quarterbacks so elite accuracy-wise, they can actually hit the knob from a distance. Dylan Gabriel is a hit-the-knob kind of guy. He is really accurate with the football. But he, as Taylor uh, mentioned, Taylor McCarg mentioned, he hasn't been under a lot of duress. And Texas will put more pressure on him than he's faced all year. It's the best defense that Dylan Gabriel's faced, but this is also the best quarterback that the Texas defense has faced. So getting back to the deep ball, Texas has allowed a third of their deep balls to be completed. Dylan Gabriel's deep ball accuracy is actually one of the best in the country. I haven't compared it to others, but I imagine completing over 50% of your deep balls puts you in a rarefied air because that's, that's usually the, the norm is around a third, around 33 34%. Um, that's probably average. Just to do it is closer to 60% on his passes of 20 yards or more down the field. Uh, thir- 13 or 22, averaging 24 yards per attempt. So for Texas in this game, that's going to be a primary concern, how they defend the deep ball. And for Dylan Gabriel, he's got some speedsters on the outside. I, I don't think they have you know an elite wide receiver, but they don't need one. All they need guys that can stretch the field. Remember, they got Brendan Thompson, and he's like – the rotational guy. He's like fourth or something in the rotation of guys, and he's a speedster. Remember, he transferred from Texas. This is a guy that ran, what was he, 10, 10 400 meters, something Track like star, that. Yeah. yeah, so they got some speed on the outside. And remember, that's where teams were attacking Texas. They would try to isolate Ryan Watts on their speedster and then just make it a track meet. That will happen again. So and teams are attacking certain positions and certain players with these vertical shots. They're attacking the Texas safeties. Um, whether it be Jerry Thompson or whether it be Michael Tapp or Keaton Crawford this past weekend, and they're attacking Ryan Watts. So I do think there's a couple of things that PK can do to try to minimize the damage of any deep shots, uh, deep attacks um, by the Oklahoma offense. I think you keep your two deep safeties, all right? I would go with a too high shell look to deter a Dylan Gabriel, a veteran quarterback, from even chunking it deep. That way you can safeguard yourself with umbrella coverage from those deep shots. And teams and quarterbacks usually 
and based on analytics, they usually take fewer deep shots when you have deeper safeties. Now you're going to leave yourself vulnerable to the run game because you'll have to play with a lighter box if you're going to go with those two high safeties. Remember, this happened in Texas in the Kansas game. Texas played a lot more two high safeties in the first half versus Kansas. Kansas ate Texas up with that option game in the second half. The One of the big adjustments by Texas to neutralize the triple option was they just put an extra defender in the run game and they went with a lot of single high safety looks. So they can always make that adjustment. And if I'm PK, I'll make that adjustment later. But I think the deep ball could hurt you early. And if I'm Oklahoma, I'm throwing the deep ball early and often versus Texas. And I, if I was Texas, I'd want to force them to have to march the length of the field. You can play with a lighter box because your defensive line is one of the best in the country. you got the highest graded defensive tackle in the country in Tavondre Sweat. And Byron Murphy may be just as good, if not better. I would, I would bank on my defensive line being able to win up front with light boxes. Oklahoma is only is averaging less than four yards per carry. They're not a dominant, formidable run game. And with Jalen Ford and your defensive line, even with just six guys in the box, doesn't mean there are six guys in the run fit. A guy like Jalen Catalan can come from 12, 13 yards away as an alley cat and precisely, with a precise angle, come down and make plays near or behind the line of scrimmage. We've already seen that. So that's one thing I would do. I'd play too high. I'd go with a light box early on because you got Jalen four and you got one of the best D lines in the country. I would also r- tighten up my rotation of safeties. They're attacking Keaton Crawford. They're attacking guys like um, you know Taft in coverage. I would keep Jalen Catalan and Jaron Thompson and maybe a young Derek Williams tighten that rotation so they're not able to exploit certain players with that deep ball. And with Ryan Watts, same thing. I might, you know, play some of those younger corners, Gavin Holmes or even uh, Malik Muhammad later on in that game because early on a lot of emotion flowing for a young player who's never experienced it. Um, but after Ryan Watts has settled down and they may go after him early on too, I probably would play some of those younger guys because Malik Muhammad has a better technique at the line of scrimmage. I think he's a better coverage guy overall, and he's a better ball hawk than Ryan Watts. So he has a higher ceiling than Ryan Watts, but right now experience can hurt you, or I should say inexperience can hurt you in this game. All right, uh, good stuff. Behind the BOC, mm. uh, the breakdown you need to be mm. ready for this game, whether you're in the Cotton Bowl or watching with us out at uh, Fieldhouse at the Crossover. Oh, That's yeah. where we'll be on Saturday on the big screens or watching along with me. Our, when I say we, the horn will be at the Fieldhouse at the Crossover. I will be hosting oh, the uh, in-game watch, the watch-along on the Inside Texas YouTube channel, which is called On Texas Football. Look forward to doing that again uh, for this game. Uh, last time we I did this right, we did it for the Texas OU game that went to full, three overtimes and the Drake uh, Stewart won it. Yeah, that was the COVID year. Oh that man, seemed, that game seemed to last like five hours. It's unbelievable. It was the mm. longest game, but uh, uh, mm. I don't know. This one, I, I still every time I look at my phone, I feel like it's a misprint that it's going to be seventy two degrees and it's going to be in the sixties oh, when this game kicks it's off. It's going to be Saturday. a beautiful thing. Can't beautiful beat thing. that. Uh, the, there's been so many like blazing hot games in the recent years. This one should be spectacular. That or if you're going out to ACL Fest, in addition to the game on Saturday, uh, weather looks great coming up. Thank you to Rod behind the BOC. Coming up, let's go off the record. Stories you need to know. Probably haven't heard them yet. We'll get them for you next. <laughs> D.D. Mega Doodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a brain bag comb. Congratulations. Continue good sex in the the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. 
Never sucks. Never sucks on a uh, Tuesday or any day off the record. Hey, Rod. Yes, sir. Not surprising, but uh, TV ratings for Sunday night's Jets-Chiefs game off the hook. Oh, yeah. Sunday night football drew an average of uh, 27 million viewers, up 22% week by week. Um, That was like, that's the most watched primetime show, actually show of any kind since the Super Bowl. Uh, 27 million to watch the Jets and Chiefs uh, game at its peak, had almost 30 million viewers. And, of course, mm-hmm. NBC said compared to an average of the first three weeks of Sunday Night Football, biggest demographic gains were among girls 12 to 17. They were up 53%. Women 18 to 24, up 24%. Women older than 35, up 34%, according to Nielsen data. Mm-hmm. It's all about the Swifties, baby. It's a whole new market, a whole new demo. The NFL is tapping into. And for those who have alleged and believe that this is all a marketing setup with Travis Kelsey, I will present evidence to the contrary that according to these pictures I'm looking at here, that uh, Travis Kelsey was seen leaving Taylor Swift's New York apartment the morning of the game. Yeah, I don't understand why why people think it's a marketing. All the evidence points that it's not a marketing stunt. Well, because it seems too convenient. But either way, also I saw there's a video of uh, Travis Kelsey in his cool little uh, old old convertible car with Taylor Swift riding along with him. And then some PDA pics have come out from a party in Kansas City of uh, Taylor with his her arm around Travis Kelsey. If it's a marketing stunt, like why she should just done did the Super Bowl if she wanted that NFL demo. Like she don't care about that. Like I'm with you. It. I'm with you. And I know mm-hmm. a lot of people, including Nick Shuley, who was in here last week. He's a big marketing guy. Everybody just smells PR firms and Team Taylor getting with the NFL. And she's got this new <laughs> – apparently, you know, she did her Eras Tour, and it set records for t- attendance and all this stuff. But there's going to be a, a motion picture coming out, like a film. she got a new movie coming out. That you can watch the, the tour. And uh, it's going to be on IMAX and all these things. But either way, I do like, think – Like she really a, needs the NFL to help her market her tour? Like she exactly. does it. Like she does it. The, the NFL needs her. The NFL asked her. Their they asked her to do the Super Bowl halftime show. She said, "No, nah, I'm good." I just think it, it. It listen, the NFL. They are the number one television product in America. Um, I just think it worked out well for the NFL once again, where uh, this just whatever this relationship has ended up being the biggest story in the NFL. And it's how you know this. The NFL's Instagram page. They actually put this out there. I'm not making this up. And it, it's not still on there, but I think it was on there yesterday. It said the Chiefs are 2-0 and as Swifties. <laughs> That's right. That the, the Instagram page of the NFL with its 28 million followers, whatever, that's what they put out there. And during the game, they cut away to Taylor Swift 17 times in that game. 17. That order is coming from on high. Well, that's that is that's the edict coming now, from last Roger night, Goodell. Like, hey, man, we need to show Taylor Swift more. Apparently last night on Monday Night Football, Joe Buck and Treichman refused to talk about Taylor Swift because she wasn't at their game. Uh, but uh, yes. Goodell uh, ain't going to like that. Well, and the people who believe it's a setup <laughs> it would, would be the ones that say what you just said, that everyone's banking on this. And then you know, there are three Taylor Swift or commercials featuring Taylor Swift during the game. There are a bunch of uh, Travis Kelsey commercials during the game. And it seems very convenient. But how about, how about Jason Peters, the center for the Eagles, who's no, this is the brother. He's gained over a million Instagram Jason followers. Jason Kelsey? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. gained over a million Instagram followers. Well, because followers. they have this podcast that now they probably have doubled their podcast listenership just oh, since he started dating Taylor Swift. on Apple. Yeah, just because all the Swifties want to hear what he's going to say about the the relationship. Give it the updates. All right, well, so. Oh, man, it's brilliant. Brilliant. Brilliant, yeah. sir. It is. It's, uh, I mean, I, 
Like I said, the NFL, they just can't lose. They can't. The NFL can't 30 lose. 30 million man. people on a Sunday night. It's pretty darn good. And a lot of ladies coming to it. Oh, All right, Rod, what do you have off the record? A lot of ladies coming to it. Uh, okay. I uh, got a couple of uh, random off the record. So this is a story from the college football realm. I didn't think it was real. So I had to go look it up. And apparently it is real. So there's a player, um, a, a Tennessee offensive lineman, J- Javante Spragans. Spragans. Okay. Um, now the the Vols and the Gamecocks they they squared off they had a game Tennessee won forty one to twenty, but there was a little skirmish following the game. Um, Javante Spragans, an offensive lineman for Tennessee, usually carries around a stuffed animal of the mascot of the opposing team he's going to play that week. It's, it's like, like a, a bit voodoo he does. doll or something. Pretty much, he carries around <laughs> a little mascot. So if he's playing Alabama, a little elephant mascot, like so, whatever the opposing team's mascot is, he tries to find a furry little stuffed animal of that, and then he carries it around. And actually, I'm surprised they they let him carry it with him after the game. So he has it with him, like on the sideline, which is crazy. Or maybe somebody in the stands gives it to him. But either way, he usually carries it around with him. <laughs> and then, uh, so at one point, apparently, when he was carrying this thing around with him, a a member of South Carolina's team, an opposing player. Stole it from him, like took it of out of his he hand. Did. Stole it from him and took it out of his hand and walked to the locker room with it. <laughs> I love it. He just took it. As you can tell, the Tennessee offensive line was pretty agitated that someone would take his prized possession while retreating back to the locker room. South Carolina players were talking trash to Spragans and they had to break up a uh, potential fisticuffs. You got a grown because... man walking around with a stuffed animal. Yeah, that's basically what they were saying. Here's your blanket. They started mocking him, like, no, what are you doing? So they lost the game, but yeah, they wanted to make fun of that dude. So. Can I tell you how much money Drake has? Uh, Drake's got a lot of Drake. money. He's he might be on his way to being a billionaire soon, too. He's the male, yeah, because we told you earlier that uh, Michael Jordan is now worth $3 billion, mm-hmm. according to Forbes. Drake was at a concert, his concert. Oh, yeah. And a guy held up a sign saying his girl broke up with him after he spent all his savings on tickets to come see Drake. And so his girl broke up, and that's what his sign said. Oh, man. Drake gave the guy $50,000 so he could, quote, flex on her tonight. Mm-hmm. That's how much money Drake has. And, I and okay, apparently, was this done by a sign, right? A sign. Because apparently that's a new thing at Drake concerts. So he also did this for a couple who said they skipped their honeymoon. They spent their honeymoon money to go to a Drake concert. And then Drake was like, if that's real, then I'll pay for y'all honeymoon and it's on me. And he gave them a really elaborate honeymoon. <laughs> so apparently, like, now he's just encouraged. He's brilliant marketing. Getting back to marketing. He's a brilliant marketing mind. Come to my concert. Treat it like ESPN's college football game day. Bring the Bring signs. your damn signs. So and no I'll one behind read- you can see. Yeah, exactly. I'll read the signs, and we could all go viral. Yeah, so fifty thousand dollars, yes, but how much free media did he get? And by the yeah, way, we're talking about it. Exactly. <laughs> smart man. Smart man. Yeah. Smart so dude. and and Drake on stage said, "So she ain't come with you tonight." What the blank is wrong with her? Crowd started chanting, calling her names, and so he gave her a gave him 50, 50 G's. G's. 50 G's. So I flex on him, man. Flex on him tonight. And you're going viral. You and you're going I mean? viral. Yeah. Drake uh, has bought a home in H-Town, though, too. That's right. I heard that. Bought a home in H-Town. He likes Houston. He's so. in. He's close. He's going to be a Texan pretty soon. H-Town. Is that about state taxes, I got to say. you damn right Plus it is. Plus, there's a good uh, <laughs> hip-hop scene down there in H-Town. It is a great music scene in H-Town. That's for sure. Growing city. Mm. All, ever growing since I moved there in 1980. It's not stopped growing. Uh, well, no, it ain't stopped growing. No. It's, it's, that's why the traffic is brutal in H-Town. Oh. It's brutal here, too, though. They, but they build Can't roads and lanes. It. It's that Probably is true. They here. actually expand lanes in, <laughs> yeah. in Houston. Especially uh, not, if you live yeah. out where I live at Onion Creek, man. It is a mess these days in South Austin. Anybody that lives out there knows it with all the construction. Mm-mm. Nine miles of construction on 35 until 2029. Uh, oh. <laughs>
Yeah, fun. Good times. And by then, the city will be even bigger. I might not be here. Who knows? Good times, everybody. Hey, we're coming back. We're talking Texas, Oklahoma, the 119th meeting. It's that week. It's hate week. Rod, it's 857. And OU still sucks.